Hello and welcome to Creed Got Robbed. We're back. It's Mike Jones. I'm joined today by Ray of Unscripted Games, mm-hmm. our other podcast that you should also listen to. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. It's bit, sure been a minute here. It's been a busy, busy summer. You know, and there's been lots of movies for me to drop not that interesting hot takes about. Um, so this because there's lots of good stuff out there. So we're back because you know we got we got to get back to the discourse, Ray. Uh, the discourse on like I, I don't know if we're burying the lead. Uh, one really solid, one of the better movies that our generation is going to remember, and one piece of shit that's going to fade into the ether. Uh, yeah, maybe something like mm-hmm. that. Well, before we be, before we begin that discourse, you know, we've I've been gone a little uh-huh. bit. It's been a, it's been a couple weeks since we had one of these, but that doesn't mean I've forgotten about the mission here at Creed Got Robbed, and that is to never forget uh-huh. that Creed was uh, robbed. He was by the Academy Arts of Arts and Sciences. It's something I'll never. That forget. Rocky movie got robbed. It really did. And, and it it's a solid movie. Real travesty. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, what a crime. What a damn shame. Question for you. Real tragic. Good question for you. I don't know if you ever answered it. Answer. Creed, uh, Creed or Rocky Balboa? Go. Which, which one would you prefer? Oh. Yep, I went there. I think Creed. I think Creed. I respect that opinion. Rocky Balboa is good, but I, I don't know. I think Creed still, Creed, Creed knocks it out. Okay, all right. But I'm that's fair because Creed is Creed is uh, kind of a retelling of Rocky One, and Rocky Balboa is kind of it's still an original yes. story that kind of wraps up Rocky's whole story. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly good though. Yeah, Rocky Balboa was yeah, alright. Yeah, I, I liked it. All right, okay. Well, let me let me turn that around on oh, you. Oh dear God, Rocky Balboa or Valerian. City of a Thousand You're a planets. motherfucker. <laughs> or wait, Planet of a Thousand Cities. Or it's whatever. City of a Thousand Planets, um, and that's a horrible title. That's a bad title. It's Why didn't they just call it? They could have just called it Valerian, Sidebar, because it, I found out like two days after watching it, it's based on a French comic called Valerian. And uh, what clued me in after I found this out was City of a Thousand Planets is... That's like a set piece in the actual movie, the set piece of the Space Station Alpha. I'm not getting into that. What I am going to get mm-hmm. into is this thing was planned to be like a... This was this is planned to be like a multi-part movie. It sets itself up for a sequel in a couple of different ways. And, uh, yeah, so I watched this on one board weekend. I had nothing to do. I had the choice between Spider-Man, Baby Driver, uh, some other movie I wanted oh. to watch. Felix Wonder Woman? Did you see I've already Wonder seen Woman? Wonder Woman. I, I saw it like opening weekend. It was good. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Uh man, I don't mm. uh you could have seen uh, another film I'm going to talk about at the end of this. Uh Dunkirk. Oh I already saw Dunkirk. I could Oh okay. I good. could have saw it good. again, I guess. <laughs> which would have been a better still better use of my time. So yeah, I could have saw all, all of those movies. I'm, Instead, I went and saw no. I, and the other movie I went to watch was uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, 
Oh my god. Oh wow. Yeah, you really messed yeah, up. Yeah, I, I fucked up Royal. I was like, I got these four movies I can see. I got some spare time on my hands. You know what? I hear this Valerian movie. I'm in a sci-fi mood. I hear it doesn't have a lot of support. Let me go ahead and put my money where my mouth is and give this movie a little bit of support. Maybe it needs it. I went and I sat in that theater. And never in my life have I ever wanted to just walk out in the first 30 minutes of a movie as fast as this movie. Wow. Oh my lord. Have you have you ever walked out of a movie? Uh, I've walked out of a movie I had seen multiple times before. Uh, I walked out of, mm. I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, James Bond movie, came out in like 2003. Okay. But that's because I had that's seen a- it for the, that was my third viewing of it and I was just bored. I think that one is all right. I thought you were going to say Die Another Day. It was like, uh, is Die Another Day the one with Holly like, Berry? Yeah, okay. Whichever one has Holly Berry in it. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Die Another Day. Oh, okay, yeah, that one's not very no, good. No, no. I was about to get I was about to get a little salty because I think Tomorrow Never Dies is low-key one of the better Bond movies. I, I'm, I'm clearly like, incorrect. It's pretty it's sh- Die Another Day. You know. Um, okay, good, because I was like, Yo, don't make me don't make me turn this podcast around and t- call this thing Tomorrow Never Dies Got Robbed, because I really don't want to do that. <laughs> because that movie really, it's good, it's not that good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Valerian, I think it was, the director was Luke Basson, who did, you know, Leon the Professional. And did he really? Um, I'm trying. Did he fall from yeah. grace that, Isn't that hard? Weird? Apparently. Jesus. Uh, let me actually. While you're looking at that, here, here are my problems with the movie and what made me want to walk out of it. Okay. Uh, the movie has a romance plot and it centers around the main character proposing, the main male character, whose name is Valerian, propo- proposing to the mm-hmm. female lead character, whose name I can't be bothered to remember. Um, the movie left that much of an impact on me. He proposes to her in the first five minutes of the movie. And that becomes... That seems... Yeah. And and the female character makes very apparent uh, in the movie that they're at best, like... They've been dating for a little bit. Like, a little bit. Like, she's at best, like... Five seconds away from going full platonic with the guy, and he just ups and proposes to her. And the whole romantic subplot becomes all about like them having back and forth about, Ugh, this is why I won't marry you, Ugh. or Ugh, this is why you should marry me. And it was like, I was like, this is this is dreck. This is awful. This is the worst sci-fi romantic subplot I think I've ever seen. And then. That sounds exhausting. You know the sci-fi movie trope of hearing the words as you know. As you know, in case you don't know, is a sci-fi movie. Oh, for like a, like where they, oh, well, we're characters who know this, but let's explain it to each other for no reason. Valerian does this four times throughout the movie. And each time is just as exhausting as the first. Yeah. They have this giant space station that they've been to many a times. And they start asking questions like, tell us a little bit about the space station ship. Like, the f- no one naturally says that in conversation. You've been here. You're military officers that work here. What do you mean you don't know about it? Why is the ship spouting yeah, language like to you about nothing, it? Nothing, nothing, nothing takes you out of uh, a movie. Like, especially one that, like, a sci-fi one like that, where when characters are, like, 
when they they they're like, why do I know thing I already know? It's like it's just, I mean, it's just kind of brute force like storytelling, and it's like, well, we need this movie doesn't make sense unless people know this, so mm-hmm. we're just gonna make the. It's just it's it's not very like. That's to have that you know that it's annoying when it happens like once or twice in a movie, but like that just sounds like a, a like four or five times. It, it happens like four times. I counted because each time was me restraining myself to just get up and leave the theater because there were I have never looked at my watch so many times when I watched a movie. It, it, there was a certain point where I'm like I'm just in it for the story at this point. You, you know, you get to that point where, like, everything is so bad. You're just like, whatever. It's all downhill from here. I'm just here to, like, tell the story afterwards. And then, and then, the, the, the uh, you know the sci-fi trope where there's a giant thing that's about to blow up the plot, and it's a bomb, and there's a timer on it, and you're praying. You're bending your knee. You're like, please, movie, don't let them disarm that bomb at one second. I'm begging you. (laughs) Give me this. (laughs) Just give me this. Actually, just let it go off so I have sweet release. (laughs) The sweet release of this movie being over. Uh, A question. Was there a big... Was there a tower of blue energy being fired into the sky? Uh, There was a tower of blue energy, yes. Okay, that's a, that's a big one lately. Everybody loves that. There was a the whole plot revolves around uh, a massive amount of energy in one capacity or another. Um, the movie steals some plot points from Avatar. It also steals some plot points from uh, better sci-fi movies. It it tries mm. to do this fifth element thing where it has like bullshit sci-fi uh, things just for the sake of having bullshit sci-fi, like. Here's this here's this uh, shop that doesn't really exist, and you have to wear VR helmets, and the VR helmets transport you to the shop. But they transport your metaphysical form and not your physical form. But be careful, because if your metaphysical form dies in this uh, vir- oh, virtual boy. space, you actually die. And they spend, I shit you not, three minutes explaining oh. it to you. And you're like, Jesus Christ, who wrote this? This is dense. This is stupid. Why would this work? Where are the safety protocols? No one, but no one would say this is a good idea. I'm sorry. I, I this movie was no, so you're... so bad. This movie was such an affront in a world where Interstellar. Yes, Christopher Nolan. We'll be bringing him back up here later. In a world where Interstellar can exist and just set the bar. For quality fucking hardcore sci-fi. You have this piece of shit that just falls out of the sky and lands in a movie theater near you. To be fair, to, to, to be 100% fair, the theater, I should have known. The theater I went to, they only had one screening of it. They, I'm sorry, they only had uh, one uh. screen of it and it was their smallest screen available. That should have been tip number one. Because, you know, the general manager of the theater will go ahead, sit down, watch the movie, and they'll make the determination how many screens they want to put it on. Or they'll just be like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. Put it on, like, eight screens or something stupid like that. Yeah. Man. Yeah, they must have. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can see it, see a bomb coming. So You know, you can just see a bomb coming a mile away. And I think I knew everything uh, that I, I about this movie that I was, you know, like, you know, I think I'm all right when... 
I was on Twitter one day and I saw an ad that it was like, "Hey, if you buy a ticket to this movie, we'll give you a free fidget spinner." And I'm like, "Oh yes, I saw that. I saw that." And I thought, like, "No, I, I'm actually okay. You know, I'll be all right. I already have one." I, I don't doubt you have at least three fidget spinners. It doesn't. It wouldn't shock me. I have. It's fun. It's very. It's therapeutic. Honestly, I really like it. I, I'm gonna ignore that. I'm, I, it's no, nice. I'm gonna ignore that. I do have. A, I do have a fidget That's cube fine. at work. I have a fidget cube. I, the, I, the, that's also great. I have one in my car. For, it's great for clicking. Mm-hmm. On the drive. Absolutely. Welcome to um, Unscripted uh, Fidget. You know, we talk about things to uh, <laughs> distract yourself you, you, uh, at work and on the go. Um, you are right. Welcome that. to Fidget Cube. Fidget Cube got robbed. <laughs> um, you, you are 100% spinners, correct. Oh, spinners overrated. Cubes underrated. You heard it here first. I saw the exact um, same thing on Twitter where they were advertising fidget spinners. And I was thinking, like, why would the marketing department think that a fidget spinner is an appropriate thing to advertise your sci-fi movie? It's like, for a lot of people, for some people, it might be therapeutic. For a lot of people, though, it's a bullshit toy. And it's a fad that's, like, quickly dying. So why why are you advertising this for a movie? And let that just be a testament to hey how man, just, out of touch this movie is. Just, just okay. Let, let me drop this on you, and then we'll kind of pivot back to Valeria. Did I mention spoiler warning? Knack two fidget spinner. Mac two fidget spinner. Na- Did you say knack two? Knack two fidget spinner. You monster. I said a knack knack. Who says no? Who does not want a knack two fidget? Spinner? You know what? You're bringing you're bringing up a solid point. The people, the same people that would buy knack two, would probably buy a fidget spinner the same day. <laughs> Pre-order probably. <laughs> Do it. Don't let them listen to you. Oh my god! If knack two comes out with a pre-order bonus fidget spinner, you should call Sony and say that that'll be. I'll take one percent royalties. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome, Sony. Uh, I'll give, uh, yeah, just just call me. We'll talk. Um, but yeah, I uh, well, I guess uh, kind of uh, um, just a parting note here. I uh, uh, I saw the because like we said, this movie was directed by Luke Besson, um, and I saw the I I, I the oh, I think one of the other only other movies of his I've seen was I I saw the last ten minutes of Lucy on TV one time. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I feel like it was just like a couple of weeks um, before this movie came out, and I saw it, and I was just like, "I think this is literally the dumbest thing." I mean, <laughs> I've seen some dumb movies. Speaking of bad like sci-fi, dumb <laughs> movies, but like, it's like she's traveling back in time, what the and fuck? she's looking at this like weird CG ape that she's like touching, and then it's like the, uh, um. Like the creation of Adam, it's like, oh look, but but it was Lucy. I'm like, this is so stupid. And then I saw this guy's making another movie, and I'm like, nah, I'm good, I'm okay. I should have researched this director because it sounds like he he makes a piece of shit. He made the professional. Are you sure? Yeah, he um, and and just the other kind of weird stuff going on with this movie, like it was. With like the financing is all kind of interesting. It was very strange, but like, I guess were there anything any t- any positive takeaways you had on it, Ray? Uh, have you seen the trailer for Valerian? Yes. Watch that again, and then never. He did fucking make Leon the professional, dude. What the fuck? 
How did the same guy make this? Oh, he also made the fifth element? What a fall from grace. Yeah, yeah, can you believe it? Wow, okay, as, That's a, I'm sorry, I was answering your question. Um, Go watch the trailer again for Valerian, and I'm going to spoil this. That power armor scene in the trailer, which is all flashy and looks great, and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll watch this movie. They never use that, they wear that power armor for the next hour of the movie, never use it again. That scene is the only, that trailer scene is the only time they ever use it. And that is the biggest cock tease of well, the movie. They're wearing it the entire time. They never use it except for that one scene. It's 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 not so much a Chekhov's well, gun not firing. It's a Chekhov's gun firing and there was a blank. You got the bang, but there was no bullet. <laughs> that's, uh... That's, uh... That's, uh... Yeah, that's a. I know some of the some of like the this design looks kind of cool, but you know, are you are you? Do you think you you recommend people give this movie a hard multi pass? Oh, uh, oh, oh, you know what? Seven out of ten. That was that wasn't bad. That you, I'm, I'm elevating that now. The more I think about it, eight out of ten. Did you make that up on the fly? Yes. yes. My man. <laughs> that's a welcome. that's a good one. <laughs> All right, we get. Valerian gets a hard multi-pass from Creed Got I'm, Rob. I'm gonna end on there. Uh, I can't. In, I can't follow that up. That's that's solid. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, what we can follow it up on is talking about a movie that we uh, both saw. Mm-hmm. I just saw it on Monday. Ray, we should really talk about Dunkirk. We should. I saw it uh, opening day, and uh, yeah, we should talk about Dunkirk. And uh, I mean, in, in case you don't know, it's. Should we just spoil the warning up there? The latest film from, you know, from Christopher Nolan, you know, who's made quite a lot of movies. And honestly, I think one, and I, a lot of his movies, I think, have received kind of, at least lately, have received kind of similar criticisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what was really cool about Dunkirk is that, uh, it, um, I don't want to say it was like a response to a lot of the things. Um, a lot. It, it it certainly it was very much a off the. It, it was very different from from his previous movies. I mean, because a lot of his other movies are like two like two hours and two hour like just on the front like it's two and a half hours or it's like or like Interstellar is like two forty. Dark Knight like rises is two forty two. This movie is an hour and forty six minutes long, so it's a real for compared to Christopher Nolan's other works, like it's really tight. And I mean, I mean, it's it's just it what is a journey a that movie mean, is. Yeah, and it's like that's the thing is it just like it's short, but it's shorter. Um, but it, it certainly it, it doesn't lack any of the substance at all. Like, I and then I guess it's like, like I don't. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I guess like kind of going off of that. Like, it, a lot of times I think some of other Christopher Nolan movies kind of feel bogged down by exposition. Like we were just talking about Valerian, and as a contrast to that, I think this movie is so good at like just telling you what's going on by like 
showing you or using or it, it, it is so good at showing and not telling like yeah you, you don't need to have like a world war two oh, world war two title card like like um like you get you it, it just does such a good job of kind of filling in all the details like so quickly like when in the very beginning of the film when they're you know, dropping the pamp like the German propaganda pamphlets are like being dropped in, and you see like, oh, we surround you, surrender. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that tell, and then all of a sudden, just these like crack, crack, like the the loudest. Can I just say, like, as, as like, a combat veteran, um, that made me duck when the movie opened up with that uh, uh seven six two or thirty odd six round, and that was the first like real sound you heard in the movie, and it was, it's yeah. kind of poetic. Because you take this scene of like, like complete peace and a little bit of despair, and it it disturbs it. It almost molests the scene to remind you, fucking war is hell, and these people you barely are getting know are dropping like flies. Yeah, and it, it's just like it, like that. That's I mean that you know it's just like uh, there's so many things about this movie that I think it's it's some of the best work. I I think it might be one of my. I, uh, I think it might be my favorite Christopher, Christopher Nolan movie. Like I loved this. I mean, it's like I, Interstellar will always have a heart place in my heart mm-hmm. just because I, the scope of that movie is just so profoundly cool. Um, but I think this might be his most well-made movie. I mean, it's so like just how effective like the sound design is. Like just as like a detail, like the the gunshots are loud and terrifying and like immediately like you're you're thrown into it like it's so quick to like start that and like the planes i mean cause that's some the, of the best the, shot the german, A, uh, avionics the german dive bombers are like it's they sound really scary like, oh do you know what it's that not is just like that you, uh, the the yeah because they had like sirens on yeah the, the jericho trumpets were attached to their dive bombers specifically to instill fear in the people that they were trying to dive bomb and uh, they emulated yeah, that almost perfectly. Yeah, and that was real. I thought that was really effective, and uh, um, and it, it just feels like that they, I mean, between and they use all like and things like the sound and, um, I mean, because there's like those loud like just cracks, but then like also the times in the film like when the when it's like quiet, like when they're just like on the beach and it's just like this really cold awful wind you're hearing and it's just like it's so effective at putting you in that place and like telling you that this is how kind of dire the situation is immediately it's it's so good at that um you know uh the beautiful one of the beautiful things about this character in such you're right uh you were right about your earlier point mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful contrast to valerian this movie doesn't even tell you the main character's name and I already said spoiler warning. Uh, so again, you leave this movie not knowing his name. And that's kind of poetic. Because ultimately it doesn't matter. The movie is about survival. Yeah. And this guy that you followed, he survived. His friend didn't, fortunately. You don't even know anything about his friend. Yeah. And then there's a reveal of who his friend is. Yeah. Like, oh, we yeah. Really... Huh. Yeah. I guess he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah. And it's like... Uh... Yeah, it, it 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 it's like I mean, and you look at the just the amount like there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. I mean, there's, but it doesn't feel like you don't know what's going on or you don't know the characters. Like 
you know this i mean it it skips so much like it cuts out so much of the fact because like i think part of that is just because of the setting and it being a historical event uh-huh. you know you know you know who the bad guys are you know who the good guys are you you know a lot of the the greater context so it doesn't the movie doesn't waste time re-explaining that right. to you like it just and it just you know it it is so it does such a good job of like it, and just like visually too, like you just see the massive scale that this is. He's like, these guys are like, it's just like thousands of people just like standing on the beach, like just waiting for a boat that they are might, is probably going to get blown up by a submarine, or in before if they get don't get to the boat is going are going to get shot by like a bomber. And it's just like it's gray and cold, and it's just like it's so visually like haunting just seeing them like. Like just seeing that like crappy foam like roll up, just like get blown up on the beach. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's so evocative, and it's like it, it's I really it it's been re- it's really interesting compared. I mean, not that like every single World War Two movie is like a you know a real a real roller coaster ride, mm-hmm. but c- compared to something like like it's so I appreciate just how s- visually different it is from like a. From something like Saving Private Ryan, for example. Yeah. Uh, like, it, obviously, it's a very different part of the war, but it was just very, like, it was just because it's, yeah, it's like it, it kind of like you can, because there's the different kind of storylines going on here. And at least with, like, the soldiers who are trapped on the beach, it plays this, like, tension uh, with the with boredom at the same time. Like it just it, that sense is so evocative from like how they're just like there's nothing they can really it's do it's like really it's really like engaging and it kind of it, it's a very evocative emotion and it, that I think that the movie achieves and you know the scene um, in the trailer where they revealed this in the trailer like a year ago where you see that guy and he just takes off his battle uh his battle dress. And he starts swimming in the channel, and you assume he's trying to yeah, go Yeah, he just, just jumps into the ocean. By the yeah. time you actually get to that part in the movie, trailer or not, you you feel for him. And you're like, fuck, he yeah. broke. And I get it. I, I can't think of many yeah, other people like, that wouldn't just break under that. Yeah, it's like, you, and the movie does such a good job of, like, showing the amount of, like, pressure that people are under, like, um... I mean, because kind of a good point to kind of break into this, like with the the kind of different timelines, how, you know, you have the because I mean, because it's I think it's like an hour a day and or it's like an hour, 10 hours and then a day or something like that. Um, That sounds where it's like the fighter pilots, like the timeline of the fighter pilots is a one is one hour over the course of the film. Yeah the timeline of the people of like the, the civilians coming from England to sail over their little tiny boat to grab some soldiers is about a day. And the, um, uh, the soldiers on the beach is about 10 hour, a 10 hour time. I thought that was like a week. No, no. Or a a week. It it was a long amount of time. It was enough time that several nights passed. Yeah, that it was probably a week. Can you imagine Um, the main character who was on again? Spoiler alert. But, he, who he's he was on what three ships throughout the movie that just got fucked up? Yeah, man, seek some therapy when like, you get home, son. You, you know? Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it was just it was really cool to see like how 
those kind of different timelines like it intersected and it worked because you'd see like they would introduce you like like Cillian Murphy's character. You'd see him like be shooken up like after on 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 a shipwreck uh-huh. in um in in uh the uh the civilian timeline, but then you'd see him before that incident bef- like as like a really confident commander who is you know had con- like very had a very capable control of the situation and you're just like like it, it that it was so stark from it was so it was such an effective way to be like oh wow yeah yeah like and it wasn't like um it it's just all that stuff like it was man um it just there's so many other little things like that that I I just really enjoyed about this movie uh like like I mean going back to visually like I loved a lot of the stuff from like the fighters, like I thought they had like just seeing how like vast and open the ocean was that they were like flying over. I thought that was a really interesting visual, and, like seeing like the huge pillows of smoke like way off in the distance. Like it felt very, it was very, it felt very like in place. Like I, 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 really, I, I think um, it's just because well, Christopher Nolan always does the uh, beautiful framing shots where like every frame of the movie you could just pause it and just make a poster out of that uh, specific frame. Yeah. He, he also use he's also a big fan of practical effects. Obviously Interstellar being a huge yes. exception. But the practical effects of using actual Spitfires, actual Junker 87s that were uh, I think they were actual Junker 87s that were refitted from like war museums, stuff like that, actual like some warships that you know, they took effort to rebuild or practical effects and use props. Stuff like that just really places you and keeps you in the movie. Yeah. And even, and just kind of other like little, little kind of tricks like that. He did like those scenes where like the boats are, are have capsized and he like locks the camera in place, mm-hmm. but it, so it, it, like it's stationary, but it's at a really disorienting angle where like people are like climbing up the wall, but you know, it, you, your head, it doesn't make sense. So it's like, really kind of like disorienting like your boat being turned upside down while you're still inside it would be like it was i thought that stuff was that was really effective and really cool um and i guess like just um you know i i don't know what i don't even know what much more else to say other than just man i really i i think this might be i i guess like one kind of final story note i wanted to mention was like i loved how I guess just how um I I, I think it's it just shows that like they they understood what they needed to spend time on to make this movie engaging and what they didn't need to spend time on and like how like you really you never see other than like you don't see any human German soldiers until like the last the very last like scene yeah you don't it's this unseen uh, enemy where Tom, I mean, even and even then, it's not like a a character. It's just like a guy in a like a, a soldier's outfit. Like it's so I I liked how like it was. Re- like, you don't really need to do a lot of work with like the the Germans mm-hmm. um, being the bad guys here, but I I appreciated how like kind of faceless they were. Like I think that was really it was really creepy. Um, like there wasn't like some mustache twirling like ah ha 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 yeah. like bad like that would have really undermined like that like it, it 
having them kind of be like this, not almost like a force of nature, yeah, yeah. just kind of gradually closing in, or like the fighter pilots. I mean, yeah. or like just having that separation. I think it was kind of folk. It, it helped keep the focus on the characters we were seeing because mm-hmm. we weren't really thinking about someone off screen. And uh, it just it, it, like how dehumanizing it kind of was. Um, for I mean, not that there's you know, not that that's something we like. I mean, there's obviously room for that in some in some films, but like just how like disembodied like the German kind of presence was. No, I get what you was mean. I, really, I agree with it. It was really. I liked how, like, I think that was definitely an intended side effect of not really spending a lot of characterization time on them just because, I mean, they don't... It, 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 I thought it was just really evocative and just, like, like the constant kind of tension of, you know, we don't... Okay, we don't have unlimited time to do this. Like, that crazy war machine that just swept across the entire the entirety of France and, like, nothing is... has us trapped on the beach. Yeah. And... um the movie is also one of those movie uh, war movies. There aren't many war movies that do this. And uh, I've only seen Japanese war movies do this because Japan took this one on the chin pretty hard. Um, it ends on a sour note. And there aren't many war movies, you know, brave enough to want to do that. It, Yeah, like it... it um, It definitely reminds you... I think it does a good job reminding you that, it, no, this is... This was still a, a, a pretty vast military failure. Like this, yeah, you have the people loss. telling the yeah, like you have the people telling the pilot that was who had crashed, like not knowing like all he had to do, like what he did, and, and like how he barely survived. Like you have people telling him, "Like hey, where the fuck were you?" Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, you know, Tom Hardy gets captured, and like just like the la- like the last frame of the movie is a great summary of it because like. There's this plane that's just like burst in bursting into flames, mm-hmm. but you know, so they got, but the guy survived, and that that's at a certain point, it's just like, yeah, it was de- it was a total disaster. But he survived, then he got captured. You know, some, so again, some a people, sour some note. Survived. <laughs> yeah, but and it's kind of. It, I thought that was a really cool way to end it because it's like it definitely didn't do like a full on like. Like cop out for like a, a Hollywood ending, like it, it was it was a very grounded and like reflective ending. That it's like it's a miracle we, like this is this is a colossal fuck up, yeah, and we're in trouble. But it's a miracle that we that it could have been a lot worse. And that I thought and I thought it kind of conveyed that really well. Spoiler warning: It got a lot of worse because uh, then became the Battle of Britain and the the air raids over London. So it didn't get better. That, that's why they were evacuating their troops because they're like, you know, after France, they're coming right to us, right? That's why we need to get all those soldiers home. For you history nuts yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, a sour. Uh, what? That entire thing was just. I felt sad. And elated after watching Dunkirk. I, I, I felt sad because you knew what was coming next. Like, uh, yeah. Like, there's still five more years of war left after this scene in Dunkirk. And Britain is going to get hammered hard after this scene. And there were so many people that uh, you're seeing in this movie. All right. The, uh, I always find it. 
bullshit when a war movie... I know Christopher Nolan doesn't want to call it a war movie. He calls it an action thriller. Okay, that's a cop-out. But I, I always think it's bullshit when a war movie just doesn't go rated R. Because I feel if you're going to like make a war movie, go the distance. Uh, because... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I view war movie as propaganda, and if you're going to propagandize something, do it, it right. Yeah, it's like it's pretty convenient to have like a a a movie that kind of glorifies war. That's PG thirteen. Yeah, I thought I think that's gross. Uh, but this movie does not yeah. glorify war at all. If anything, this movie will make some people that were on the fence kind of reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and, and, and yeah, and even if it wasn't, like, explicitly, like, gory, it, just, it does a good job of just conveying, like, the horror of the situation that they're, that they're in is just, like, that alone just shows, like, I mean, and, and just the scale, like, it does such a good job of, like, because someone tells you, like, 40,000, like, you, it's hard to visualize it, but you just see, like, these... Just row, just like like mile long row after row after row of guys who just, you know, oh the di- the plane comes, everyone hit the hit, everyone hit the deck, all right, okay, stand up and get back in line, mm-hmm. and just like they all do that as far as the eye can see, like that's like that's ugh, it's so like unsettling, but it was so like just gripping. It's gripping that you know, at moments of complete despair. The, the I want to say like 20 minutes, the first like 20, 30 minutes of the movie, it's just about these two nameless guys just like trying to find a way onto a goddamn ship to get out of the situation. Like they, they don't even exchange words. They're, they just like, it's just simple nods of the head and waves of the hand. And the idea is obvious. They're like, we need to get the fuck out of here now. I don't care how we do it. Let's go. There's no military decorum. That's gone. And that, that's kind of real, you know? You, you don't see that in, like, a war movie. You don't see the human aspect of some... Uh, there are some parts of this movie where people get, like, real shitty to each other. Uh, like that part where they're, they're in that yeah. tiny tugboat or whatever. Yeah, and they're, and yeah, and honestly, you know, you can't blame them. Like, yeah, they're just like, we need to get on this boat. This boat needs to be lighter. Someone needs to get off this boat. And it gets really, really dark. Everyone always paints, like... Uh, the first British, I think it was the first, yes, yeah, first British Expeditionary Force is being very brave for even being in France and uh, fighting in Dunkirk. But you have to remember, there's still people, and they got desperate, and they got dark. I'm sure it got really dark at certain times, and this movie doesn't hide that, and it's kind of beautiful for that, you know? Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, like I was saying, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think Christopher Nolan, like, specifically kind of wrote this movie to counter some some I think pretty uh some critique some uh, some accurate critiques of his previous movies but just I I just I mean this movie just is so it wastes no time and every single moment is either you know telling building the story like showing telling you something about the the world or the environment or like is it the characters are like this it's just like there's no no wasted element of this movie and it's just and everything is just man this was i uh i, I didn't expect this movie to be like it was i i don't want to say it was different from what i was expecting but 
It was very different from a, an, an, another, like what you'd call like a Nolan movie, mm-hmm. but it's so, it was so very wonderful. And, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite war movies. I think war it's movies. very good. It is. I uh, think so as well. It, uh, any war movie that makes me leaving the theater with a, this is kind of a dark joke I like to tell people. Any movie where any war movie where I leave the theater and I have a little bit of PTSD anxiety after leaving it, I, I'm feeling that's a good war movie. That's <laughs> that movie will every veteran I talk to that movie made them a little anxious at parts, and for me it was the rifle crack at the beginning uh, because it's so that yeah, it just pops out of fucking nowhere yeah, as it should. Yeah, because there's no, there wasn't like any scary music like building up to it. Like, nope, it was just, that's just like, that's it. Like, just. Good movie. It's And it's just like the loudest sound that you've heard yet in the movie. That's been playing for like two seconds. Good movie. A solid yeah. movie. One Good of movie. Them. Yeah, in contrast to Valeria, this movie cost $100 million to make. Not marketing. I'm just talking about making. I'm sure the marketing was triple or quadruple that. Whatever. Uh, Valerian, 150 million. I'm gonna let you guess which one made 17 million over the weekend. I'm gonna just, 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 just let you guess. Oh boy. It wasn't the Christopher Nolan uh, bio. It wasn't the Christopher Nolan war pick. I'll tell you that much. It might have been the over CG non practical practical effect piece of shit. Worst sci-fi movie I've seen in the last 10 years. Let's end this on a good note. Dunkirk, go see it. Go go see Dunkirk. Everyone should go see... Go go see Dunkirk. Go go see Dunkirk. Just do that. That's a great movie. Not a waste of your time. See it in IMAX if you can. I did. Holy shit. Go see that on 70mm film. By all means. Yeah. We... uh, Ours was... I don't think ours was the 70, but we did go IMAX, and oh my... Yeah. It was was real good. Do yourself a favor. I'm not... I'm not a... I'm not a 3D fan, but I, I love Nolan. Nolan's focus on just like let's just put it in just really big, big 2D. Let's just do that. I'm like that sounds great. <laughs> just do that. I don't like the glasses. Um, I almost saw Valerian in 3D, and take how oh. livid I am about watching it in just regular digital. And if oh, I man. had seen Are it in sure 3D, you- it would be magnified times eight. Wow. Times three or something. The whole extra. I, I just left that out. I just left that out there just to be taken advantage of, didn't I? Just left it in the yard and Mike picked it up. <laughs> I, uh, that's what I'm here for. Like a busted TV. <laughs> Mike said, no, let me just polish Please this. come pick up. Use first Smash Bros. because it's a CRT. <laughs> Won't drop any frames. <clears throat> All right. Well, hey, I think that's a. Uh, those are some of the the movies we've been seeing. Uh, you want know to you have to go see some of these other, some other ones that we are, have been out this summer. I know I need to catch up with some people who I've seen those with. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I uh I think we can go ahead and call it there, Ray. Thanks for, uh, joining me on uh, on this episode. Of Creed got robbed. You know, well, you can find us in all the usual places. Um. And uh, we'll uh, this episode end up. You know, I'm really rambling on the sending here. Yeah, hey, I want to say thanks for having that. me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for have thanks for joining me, Ray. And uh, don't forget, everybody, that greed got robbed. <laughs>